0: General Barrick, and uh, I want to preach a message this morning that I've just entitled Lessons from General Barrick. You know, when we think about George Washington, the first thing comes to mind is that he's the first president of the United States. But before he was President uh, Washington, he was General Washington. We know that George Washington obviously was key in fighting uh, and defeating the British Army in the War of Independence. What makes a good general when you think about that? As a matter of fact, I ask myself this question when you look at Hebrews 11 and of Barak, and then you read the story of Barak, and you have to ask yourself this question. How did Barak make Hebrews chapter 11 the hall of faith? When you look at it, and as I've studied a little bit, I think there are three reasons why I find that General Barak is in Hebrews chapter number 11. I'm glad, by the way, for all of the different people in Hebrews 11. The Bible is full of human beings. How many of you are a human being? Do we have any robots in here? <laughs> we, we looked the other Wednesday at the AI and the robots that are, you know, the fake people or fake, they're not people, they're whatever. In any event, uh, we're all human beings here this morning. And when we look at the Word of God, we see human beings. And we see human beings that had strengths and that had weaknesses. And that God used, and God still uses people like you and me, and I'm so thankful, and our day is now. By Burden, when I heard that song, Turn the Tide, well, we need to pray. We're going to spend some time in prayer tonight. You know what? I'm going to just tell you the message title tonight, and um, if you want to shoot me, you can. I don't think anybody will. What is the Christian's response to the LGBTQ plus agenda? We're going to look at that tonight, and if we have time, we'll uh, spend some time in prayer. It's it's daily in the news, and uh, God's against it, and we need to be for what God's for and against what God's against. Right? I'm not saying we need to be mean or unkind. We need to we need to keep on the firing line. We need to keep. <sighs> Let me ask you this question. Don't raise your hand. I don't embarrass anybody. Were you able to give out at least one track this week? There's no excuse. Right? All of us should be able to pass out one track every week. We need to do something to help. And uh, Jesus is the answer, and I'm getting ahead of myself. In any event, Judges chapter number 4, and follow along as I begin reading in verse number 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazar. We see the book of Judges, people did that which is right in their own eyes. We live in a day where people are trying to do that which is right in their own eyes. God is ultimately in control. And uh, God sometimes turns people over to their own ways, and God turns the children of Israel over, and they're in bondage again uh, with Canaan here. And uh, let's see, I'll start at verse 2. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazar, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Hazar. Heresheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he, obviously Jabin, the Canaanites, had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. The Bible says in verse 4, and Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. We find ourselves here in Judges chapter 4. The condition, again, is a condition uh, uh, that's a challenge to God's people. They've done what they wanted to do, and God turns them over now to the Canaanites. And uh, God is going to deliver his people through Deborah and through Barak. Barak is the general that God uses under the leadership of Deborah. Uh, I want to let, let's let's pause and ask the Lord to meet with us, and then I want to talk about Barak Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the privilege to love you. Now, Lord, we ask that you would, in the few minutes we have remaining, that you would challenge us with regards to the life of Barak and the truths that you uh, we see in your Word according to him. Lord, uh, uh, in his life uh, exemplified. And Lord, we know without you we're nothing. So we yield ourselves to you. And I pray that you would use me, speak to hearts. If there's someone here that doesn't know you as Savior. Would today be the day, in Jesus' name, amen. General Barak, we read of him in verse number uh, 6. The Bible says, well, let's read verse, well, let's just go to read verse 6. And she sent Deborah, and Deborah was the leader at the time, we'll talk about this in just a minute. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinuim, of Kedesh and Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go? and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men, of the children of Naphtali, and of the children of Zebulun. God's going to deliver his people. and God's going to use Deborah is the leader at the time, as I said already. God raised up a woman. It's interesting, in Isaiah chapter number 3 and verse number 12, the scripture tells us that God would do that. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the ways of thy path. And we find ourselves in this particular chapter, we find ourselves, uh, Israel finds itself being led by a woman by the name of Deborah. One commentator said this, For God to put Deborah as judge, as a prophetess, was an act of humiliation for the Jews. For they lived in a male-dominated society that wanted mature male leadership. But God set up Deborah. Deborah was God's person for this hour to lead God's people. Barak was an individual that God used. Barak, and by the way, when you look at Hebrews 11, not all of the people in Hebrews 11 are what we might call the top person, the top dog. Some of the individuals that we read in Hebrews 11 were more of a support role, and that's where we find Barak as a little more as of a support role. And God says to Deborah, go get Barak, verse number 6, and get him to get 10,000 people from the tribe of Naphtali, his tribe, and bring them, verse 7, to the river Kishon Sisera. God is going to deliver them. He's going to deliver them from the Canaanites. He's going to lead them. Uh, Barak is going to lead them into a trap. Now, Barak was not the most uh, courageous individual. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse number 10, uh, Barak says, no, verse number 8, verse number 8, Barak says unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. Listen. If you find yourself a little nervous when outreach Sunday today, and you're going out and you're going knock on a door, and you find yourself a little nervous, hey, you're in good company. Barak was a little nervous. Barak was a little fearful. Hey, we see in the Word of God, Moses was a little fearful. Moses made up a bunch of excuses. Hey, we looked last week at Gideon, and Gideon's like, I don't know about this. God uses individuals that are weak because we are dependent upon God. And I want you to see the first characteristic that I see in Barak's life that we can learn is Barak let God give the orders. Barak let God give the orders. Now, obviously, Barak was a man under authority, the authority of Deborah. Deborah was the leader, and Deborah said, Hey, God wants you to get 10,000 men from your tribe, and he wants you to take them and meet us up here at this river. You don't see anywhere where Barak, in a male-dominated society, leadership if you would, we don't see anywhere where Barak begins to argue. Or Barak says, hey, I got a better idea. He could have argued with her. He could have rejected her counsel. But he understood and he accepted the word of the Lord through Deborah to himself and he said, hey, I'm going to do this because I believe this is what God wants me to do. By the way, when we look at this passage of Scripture and throughout the Word of God, God uses authorities in our life. Somebody say, hey, I don't know what the will of God is for me. I have no idea. Well, what do your parents think? What do the the people in authority over you, what does your husband think? When you think about that, Hey, nobody's any less than anybody else, but God has set up an authority structure here. I think concerning the passage in Matthew chapter number 8, Jesus was in Capernaum, and this man came, a centurion came to him, and he said, could you hear my, heal my servant? My servant has palsy, could you heal him? And Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion says, you don't need to come and heal him. All I need you to do is speak the word. Why did he say that? He said, because I'm a man of authority and a man under authority. And I recognize that somebody in authority, that's you, Jesus. If you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. Jesus highlighted and admonished him for his faith. He said, I've not seen this kind of faith. I think of uh, the opposite situation in 2 Samuel chapter number 7. God said to David, hey, when you carry the ark, you need to have a couple men on each side carrying this ark. The Philistines put the ark on a cart and had it, you know, uh, by a donkey there uh, 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 that way. And, and Uzzah is there, and the cart's being moved back to uh, Bethlehem, and, and Uzzah's there, and the ark kind of shakes a little, and Uzzah touches it to keep it from falling. Means well, good heart, and he's killed instantly. And David's a little bit like, Whoa. He's killed instantly. Why? Because he disobeyed the instructions of God. He didn't do what God wanted him to do. We have a wonderful God. Our God gave us this book. You know, life has challenges and life has difficulties. And Job tells us, man that's born of woman, few days and full of trouble. But God in his love and his goodness, gave us the word of God. And do you know we can choose to follow God's orders, to follow God's instructions, to do what the word of God says, or we can choose to not do what the word of God says. Every individual that spends eternity in hell will do so because they rejected What God said in his word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. God did the work. He sent Jesus. Jesus hung on a cross and died in our place. He suffered for us. God made him sin uh, for us. He died in our place. I can't work my way to heaven. I must place my faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and that alone. And when an individual does that, the Bible says that we have everlasting life, eternal life. But when we think beyond that, do you know every Christian has a copy of uh, every Christian here in the United States, everybody in in our area, we, we we have the Word of God. The Word of God is accessible. Now, I know there are some individuals that don't have the Word of God in their language yet. But here's what I'm trying to say. Every one of us has this book. We have God's instruction. We have got do you know many an individual, many an unsafe person messes up their life. They refuse to trust Christ as Savior. They do their own thing and they mess up their life because why? Because they're calling the shots for their own life and not letting God call the shots for their life. Many a Christian, many a Christian. Many a Christian that has the word of God finds themselves messing up their own life because as a Christian, God still gives us a free will. God gives us a choice. We can live according to the truth of the word of God. We can live according to what God orders and allow God to call the shots in our life. Or we can call the shots in our own life. Any individual that calls the shots in their own life will find out that the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. You want to go the hard way? People sometimes pride themselves. This, this makes me laugh. People sometimes pride themselves on saying, yeah, I'm one of those guys. I've always had to learn the hard way. Well, that's, I'm trying to think of a very polite way to say that's kind of dumb. All right? If you can think of a good Christian term for dumb, let me know. And the next time, we'll, hey, that doesn't make any sense. We don't have to learn the hard way. Life is hard enough. And God says in his word, if we'll follow, hey, Samuel told Saul, Saul was kind of thick-headed, like to do things his own way, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Barak wasn't proud enough, wasn't so proud that he didn't say to that he said to Deborah, hey, if this is the word of God, you're the prophetess, you're the judge, I am going to receive it. Don't, don't. Don't be stubborn. God wants to bless you. You ever try to do something nice for your kids? You try to do something nice for them? You take them to the zoo? I remember when Sarah was younger, I decided I'm going to take her to the zoo. I said, look, if you're going to keep acting up, we ain't going to the zoo. I probably said we aren't going to the zoo because I was more concerned about my English then. But now they're out of the home, and my wife's got a good handle on English, so I'm reverting back to my old days. Uh, we're not going to go. There. You know what? She decided I'm going to keep acting up. Do you know what I did? I turned the car around and went home. I was kind of bummed a little because I like zoos. How many of you like zoos? Old people like zoos. I can't wait to take my granddaughter to the zoo. But the reality is this. Hey, God tells us what will bring blessing, what will bring success. But we have to make a choice. Barak had to make a choice. Barak listened and let God give the orders. Let me say secondly... He let God not only give the orders, he let God do the work. Now look at verse 14 here, and I want you to see this, and then I'm going to go back and kind of tell you what happens here. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him. Now, Barak was kind of a fearful individual, and he had some reason to be fearful. If you look at verse number 3, we read it already. The Bible says that Canaan, Sisera, had 900 chariots of iron. Again, remember, Barak's instructions were go find 10,000 men. He very hastily got 10,000 men together to take him down there. He's got 900 iron chariots. a matter of fact, the Bible emphasizes it again. Emphasize again, verse 13. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron. Verse 15, when we're told that the Lord wins the battle here, we're reminded again about his chariots. Now we think about this. Look at what God did. In verse number 6, he says, hey, go to this river. Verse 7, he tells him what he's going to do. And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver them him into mine hand. And so God says to him, hey, go to this river. Now, we get insight in chapter 5. Chapter 5 we'll look at in just a minute. But if you go to verse number 21 of Judges chapter number 5, you'll see what happens, what God does. By the way... Some commentators believe that this battle took place during the dry season. If it had been the rainy season, Sisera wouldn't have brought his 900 chariots lest they get stuck. But in the dry season, what God does, they get them down there close to the river, God sends a storm. Verse number 21. Of, of, of Judges 5, a rainstorm, the river of Kishon swept them away, the ancient river, the river Kishon, O my soul, thou hast trodden down strength as he is giving glory to God. And so Barak takes his 10,000 men, by the way, there are four tribes that come and help him eventually, there's four more, you read that in chapter number 5, but he comes down to the river, God sends a storm. Things get muddy, the river gets all. and guess what? The chariots are really unable to do what they should do. Now we're on even ground. Now Barak is able to go in with his men and with the other tribes that come, and he's able to defeat them. In verse number uh, 16, the Bible says this, But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host, and, uh, and all the host of Cicero fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. Howbeit Cicero fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the king of Heber. Now this is important for us to, to understand this. When Barak tells Deborah, I want you to go with me. Deborah says to Barak, God's going to deliver Sisera by the hand of a woman. And Barak's like... We don't know what he says, but I would think that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Barracks, uh, and again, enabling God to do what God's going to do. Now you say, why did Sisera end up in this tent? Well, we have some indication. Verse 17, the Bible says this at the latter part of verse 17 the wife of Heber the Kenite, there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazar. And the house of Hebrew, the Canaanite. So Cicero is Cicero, is 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 fleeing. He gets to this tent and he thinks, okay, he was his boss, right? Th- these families get along, I'll be safe here. He makes a mistake in lying to jail, and uh, she decides, well, it's time for me uh, to put a nail in his head. You read that. I'm trying to save time, we could be here till one o'clock. <laughs> um, by the way, the women often were the ones that set up the tents, so she knew how to how to hammer nails, and uh, apparently she did a good job here. And God, and God delivers. Verse nine, uh, no, not verse nine. God delivers verse fourteen. Into, uh, in, the, in the, uh, there we go. Um, no, that's not it. But anyway, she tells him he's going to be delivered into, the, into the, to the hands of a woman, and Jael becomes that woman that ends up delivering and really killing Sisera, the captain of the Canaanite army. All right, so there's a whole story summed up. Bottom line is this. Barak not only let God give the orders, he let God do the work. In verse 14 He didn't take things into his own hands. He waited for Deborah to say to Barak, "Up, now's the time to do this. He followed God's instructions in God's timing. We like to take things into our own hands. How many of you would say you're people of action? I'm a person of action. My hand's up. I'm a person of action. Us people of action like to make things happen. We like to say, Hey, we we don't like to wait. How many of you like to wait in the fast food line? Like to wait. Now, you don't mind waiting in a restaurant because the restaurant, you're supposed to wait. You're supposed to fellowship and talk with people that aren't on their phones. You're supposed to connect. Fast food, you go there because you want food fast. And if you wait in a fast food line, we we were in North Carolina once. We we had to wait in this fast food line for at least a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And I would have got out, but I got stuck in the drive-thru. You ever get stuck in the drive-thru? And it's embarrassing to get out and say, hey, could could you back up? Could you all back up so I can get out of here so you're just stuck? You know, we don't like to wait. Barak lets God do the work in God's timing. I was thinking as I was preparing this message of a situation that happened recently, not regarding my wife. So don't be reading into these things where I thought, man, that wasn't right. And that wasn't right. I said, well, I'm not sure what to do about it. But I said, well, Lord, you know what I do about this. And do you know, I just waited, and do you know, in a, I don't know, 24-hour whatever time, both situations got resolved by the people on the other end saying, hey, I'm sorry about that. And I thought, well, that was interesting. God taught me something. Sometimes you have to just let God work in people's lives. You have to let God do what God's going to do. You see, God has a place. He had a place here. God had a person. He had a person here, Barry. God also had a timing. You know, a lot of young people think, I'm going to help God along um, when it comes to finding my spouse. Now, if you're in college and you have, you know, 18, 19, 20, and you feel like you have direction for your life, hey, I'm going to have different advice for you, right? I'm going to tell you, by the way, be what you want. Say, what do you mean? Look, you want to find somebody that's godly? You be godly. You want to find somebody that's reading their Bible? This isn't in the notes. I'm, I'm feeling it's coming, brother. You, you know, listen, listen. You're not going to find somebody that's going to love you as Christ loved the church if you don't love Christ. You with me? If you're not reading your Bible, the Bible says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Anyway, I've met a lot of young people. You yeah, know, they're 12, 13, 14, 15, 15. Tim's getting nervous. 16. Look, the reality is, they're trying to help God along. They're going to date everybody. Try to fit. in his timing, in his way, if you'll walk with him, he'll, he'll lay it out for you. We've got to be patient, and we've got to wait on the Lord. And we don't like that. and Barak did. The immediate third point. So we're going, be here, we're going to be here over, over time. Number three is this. Not only did he let God give the orders, he let God do the work. But number three, he let God get the credit. Look at chapter number five, verse one. Now, probably Deborah wrote this song, but Barak is joined right with her in verse number one. By the way, when the Israelites wanted to praise, wanted to rejoice, they often would do it in song. When God parted the Red Sea... The next chapter after, I think it's chapter 15 of Exodus, they sing a big song. Here's what we have here. Let me just highlight a few things here that this chapter highlights and we'll be finished. Then sang, verse 1 of Judges 5, then sang Deborah and Barak. Hear the other singing. Look at the first thing, verse number 2. Praise ye the Lord for avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. Look at verse number 3, latter part. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Look at verse 5. The mountains melted from before the Lord, even from before the Lord God of Israel. Look at verse number 9. My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. Verse number 11 ends, the people of the Lord may get out into the gate. And you can follow this through. The Lord, verse 13, made me have dominion over the mighty. God and God alone gets the credit here. Barak doesn't get the credit. Deborah doesn't take the credit. The 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun don't get the credit. The four tribes that are referenced here don't get the credit. God and God alone gets the credit. Listen, if there's anything good that comes from our lives, it's because of a gracious, loving, good God that allows it in our lives. Yet so often we can find ourselves saying, Hey, look at what I have. Look at what I did. Look at who I know. When really, the reality is we had nothing to do with any of it. God's the one that gets the glory. God's the one that gives us the ability to earn money. God's the one that gives us the brains. God's the one that gives us favor with people. God's the one that gets the glory. In Proverbs chapter 6, in verse number 16, the Bible says this, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Do you know what number one is? A proud look. Pride takes the glory away from the one who deserves it. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Barracks in the hall of faith. His believing God, even though he was weak and fearful, put him there. He let God give the orders. Who's running your life? I have found that sometimes Christians will go so far. And somebody says, oh yeah, 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 God's in charge here, 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 here. And then someone says, what about this? Well, why is surrender such an issue for us? If I'm trusting God for heaven, can I not trust God with everything here on earth? All to Jesus, I surrender, whatever it is. Let God do the work. Patiently do what's right. Let's let God work. And number three, let's let God get the glory. He's the one that deserves it. Lessons from General Barrick. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the